Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We are alive, season seven, episode four. It is the second week of December, twenty twenty-three. Ready for some ice fishing talk, Jay? I'm ready for some talk because the ice fishing itself in where I'm at is not happening. We went, we like, we were going gangbusters on ice. Like I was almost ready to go, and then now it's been sixty degrees. I think it's tough everywhere. It's not just here. So. Good thing we're talking about ice fishing show because the you, you can uh, you don't have to have ice to go to the ice fishing show is what we what we did last weekend. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, it was great. It was a really great show. Saw lots of people, um, learned a lot. It was great. Yes. Great time. So we'll dive into that later. Yeah, that's our topic of this show. So the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show, which is the show of shows, really, I guess, as far as I understand it. So I mean. In my life, it is. There may be better ones. I mean, I hope someday when I have more time in retirement, we can just go around ice fishing shows. I mean, like ice fishing show groupies. Well, there's people that do that because they go to every ice fishing show. Yeah, but but they're trying to make money. We would just go to go. I know. I I feel spoiled sometimes (laughs) when we go because we don't... There's people there that are like working, right? They're working their butts off most. Yeah, and and we get to just enjoy it. We do. And it's really nice. It is. It's absolutely fun. We'll talk more about that in our topic, but Jay, I'm getting kind of parched here. Do you have a, a beverage tonight? Yeah, I do, but I want you to go first. Okay. I think there's some kind of story here that you're not letting me <laughs> in on, so I will go. Why? Does it seem suspicious? It does. You, you seem first? suspicious. Even before we started, you had a big grin on your face, and you're like, this is funny, and I don't it even know what fun. it is. It is funny. It is funny, but All you right. do your beer first. All right, so I have... A dangerous man brewing peanut butter porter, and I copied the thing from the website because I'm tired of trying to read the tiny print from cans. That's a really good idea. So this is a staple here at Dangerous Man, named best beer in the Twin Cities by City Pages, and has taken home many awards. A true to style, robust porter with a healthy dose of peanut butter. Our take on the style differs. For most, in that it finishes dry, not sweet, making it extremely drinkable. Which is why I, I think I like it, because I don't like too sweet beers. So here we go. Mm, it's really good. Really, really good, Jay. Well, good. All right, so so now we can like clear the room. I'm glad I got a sip of beer, but why are you laughing at me? I'm laughing because, for once, in the only time in history... On Hardwater Fishing Show in seven seasons, we have picked a like beer. Oh, nice. So I have in front of me from Lake Time Brewery, which is in Clear Lake, Iowa. So it's a, a brewery up there. Lake Time Brewery, peanut butter porter. <laughs> oh, peanut butter porter. <laughs> nice. Which is what you have. I do. Peanut butter porter. A peanut butter porter. Sure. So let me see if I can read this can. The peanut butter cup has opened a delicious... Hang on, hang on. I've got my glasses out to the end of my nose. Oh, my gosh. They're way out there. <laughs> hey, <laughs> knock it off. 
The peanut butter cup has been a delicious confectionery treat for years. Our brew combines that creamy chocolate peanut butter cup flavor with a malty robust porter. This begs the question, how did we get this peanut butter flavor into beer? All we'll tell you is we went nuts perfecting it. Okay, now there's more. What is lake time, you ask? This is about the brewery, mm. I think, or just their their mantra. What is lake time, you ask? Lake time is not a specific time, but a state of mind or an absence of time. Eat when you're hungry, sleep when you're tired, fish, swim, read a great book, and enjoy sunshine when you please. Naps are encouraged. I don't like naps. Friends and family are welcome. Nature is embraced. This is lake time. Our mission is to brew great craft beer that you can enjoy anytime, not just on lake time. Let us help you bring that moment home every day, whoever your lake, wherever your lake time is, whatever your lake time is. Enjoy it. Lake Time Brewery. I've never heard of this place before until I found their beer. They're not that far yeah, from in, me, actually. I may have I'm in to, love uh, already. I, I want I'm, lake time. I lake time. All right, so I'm going to open this baby up. And that is really good. That is really that good. That is really that that I enjoy that. I enjoy that quite a lot. Good, good. Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy after you described I mean, that feeling of I eat when I eat, I fish when I, I want know. to fish and And that's you know lake time, man. But that's I will awesome. tell you, um I I did have to redeem myself a little bit after my natty light last week. Yeah. Even though I don't mind natty light, I kind of felt like, oh, I kick it up a notch, so I went up to the the old Dollar Fresh, saw what they had in their cooler, and they had some of this. They're 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 smart people. I feel like it's that like that scene in Dumb and Dumber where they're like, just when I think you you can't do anything dumber, you totally redeem yourself. There but you, you go. did actually redeem yourself. <laughs> I did a little bit. Yeah, and it's good. I like it. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, we'll enjoy our peanut butter porters and uh, and move on to patrons. Want to thank all of our patrons for their support of the show. And tonight we are thanking Leo J. He is the patron of the show. So thank you, Leo. Thanks, Cheers Leo. to you. Cheers. A peanut butter porter. Cheers. All right. Listener news. We got some pretty good listener news tonight, Jay. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. You want me to start with Northwoods Dave? Yeah, you start with that one. I'd echo his sentiment. Northwoods Dave wants to remind us that no fish is worth a life. Please be safe out there. Um, remember, if you have to be rescued, it's just not yourself you're putting at risk. You're also putting at risk the people that are coming out there to get you out. Um, and so we don't we don't want to have any bad accidents this year. So please make sure you have your safety stuff with you, your ice picks, your spud bar or ice chisels, some rope, um, safety whistle, whatever you need to make noise. And the other thing to remember all the time is a lot of times that safety equipment isn't just for rescuing you. You might need to help somebody else out. So it's good to have sure. that stuff with your ice picks. Um, life jacket if you don't have a float suit. Yep. Um, did you ever test your float suit, Jeff? You don't have a float suit. I don't suit, have do a float suit. I meant to float in mine this summer because I think it'd be a better yeah. test in the summer. It wouldn't be so miserably cold. Um, I wouldn't recommend jumping in the lake well, when it's frozen. We have we have this hypothesis, right? Do you if you'd only get one or the other? Oh yeah. Do you get the pants or the jacket? Or if you only had the float pants and a non-float would, jacket, would you flip upside down? And then you would be worse that, off. That was than... our question. So I never did buy the pants. I just have a float jacket. Well, that's um, good that your upper body. Would I know, float and... but here's the problem. Here's the problem. 
by the time it's cold enough often for me to wear that jacket i'm probably not going to need to float yeah <laughs> so i well, should have bought the float bibs because a lot of times i'll just wear bibs in the in a sweater yeah. you know You're unless right. it's super cold so the jacket man i only tend to put that thing on when it's just stupid cold and usually by then the ice is pretty thick but anyway maybe maybe i need to get the pants one of these years Get the pants. Maybe somebody wants to send us some pants and we can try them out. Probably a two X for this. You gotta guy, be careful. But, yeah. He'll send you a pair of leather pants or something. <laughs> uh, th- those those chaps don't usually float. The buttless chaps. <laughs> yeah, they don't usually float. <laughs> All right. I don't have any of those, by the way, either. We digress. So, yeah. Dave, Dave, thank thanks for the reminder. It's it's great to put that up front in the show. We just do want to make sure people are are safe. So, and we we actually have a couple. You know, people have been on the show that are actually on some of these rescue. Yep. I don't like squads. I don't know what they call them. Squads, teams, rescue teams. Sure. All the things. So, so I think that's kind of where that comes from, too. And, you know, this is a hard judgment call, right? Like, you know, we've all gone through bring a spud bar, test the ice. You know, don't just. I mean, Jason Mitchell, I was watching a video this week. He's like, you know, we've all been there where you're spud barring out and fishing. And then some guy flies by in a four wheeler and. <laughs> it's only four inches ice on here. What are you doing? You yeah, know? I know. So, but but it's a judgment call, right? Because you know, yeah, three four inches ice. You're you're. I mean, you better be testing that stuff. But it's, you know, everybody. Sometimes it's locked up. Sometimes it's not locked up, and yeah. that makes a big difference. And the oh. wind blows it. I've been on six inches ice, and the wind blows things around. So, I mean, it's 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 hard. It's not like one answer for that. I'll give a shout out to Clear Lake Bacon ta- Bait and Tackle. I'm on a Clear Lake kick tonight um kevin paul out there who's a guide out of out of clear lake um does a bunch of videos every winter on clear lake ice until it gets good yeah and so he spud bars his way out and and the one i was watching he does a facebook live and the one i was watching the other day he did a really nice job of saying of just showing people the process of spud barring out what what he looks for in the ice as he yep. looks at the physical features of the ice and then um you know then how he goes back when he backtracks how he stays on his trail exactly or he uses a spud bar you know as he walks so it, it's actually a, if you're new to ice fishing i would jump on that clear lake bait, bait and tackle look at some of his facebook lives or tune into those as he does them uh, does he does a really nice job yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about you do three good whacks with that heavy spud bar. Usually that's a good sign, yep. but it could be different on your lake. I mean, ice is different. I also think ice in the early season is tends to be harder and clearer than it does later in the season. Not always. It does. But, um, but, you know, so what we're facing down here is the ice that was clear and hard and we had two, three inches of it is now not. It's yeah. still three inches, but it's crap. Yeah. And I, I haven't looked at what happened to clear lake today but it warmed up quite a bit we had a bunch of winds so i don't know if they're back at zero or they still have some or not so i'll have to get on there and check that out but yeah it's it's pretty dynamic i know they're out in red lake but it's been pretty dynamic i would be really pay attention to the people up there because it's it there's not a lot of good ice it's been warm it got a little cold it's been warm really be careful out there yep all right we beat that all right yes we beat that one Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but no, we would do. You know, we want to be safe in all seriousness. So, all right, why don't you go next? All right, so this was really interesting. This is from uh, one of our listeners sent this in, and he um, 
Kale, he is the VP of Walleyes Unlimited in Minnesota here in Minnetonka. Oh, cool. So, so it was nice of him to reach out. Yeah, he listens. He sent me a couple things, but he was going through some of our episodes from last year, and we were talking about spoons in Uncle Jack Josh's pork rinds and like how you put things on there. Now, in he said he had some more information on this, and it was really good. So Mark Martin, who I wasn't super familiar with. Do you know who he was, Jason? No. So he is, um, he won the first tournament of champions held in International Falls, Minnesota, netting him $30,000. This was like in like 90s or something. Yeah, but. you would have had to read about, so that this is how the world changed. 1990, you had to read about it in the newspaper or yeah. a magazine to know about it. <laughs> So anyways, this guy is like walleye, Mr. Walleye, you know, like he is professional, knows what he's doing, right? Like 10 times more than I do. But he said, and I had to watch the video on how to do this, but when he buys spoons, and this applies in the winter and the summer, so it's not just a summer thing, he, you know, you get your spoon and it's got a treble hook on it, right? Okay. So there's three points. Yep. So he, almost everyone that comes, he will take that treble hook off and spin it a different way so the one of the tines is parallel to the back of the the spoon so if you have three and if they're kind of on the side yeah basically if you put some kind of bait or some kind of pork rind or whatever um it'll set the fluttering of your spoon off differently okay so the balance is off basically like your bait's on one Uh, side of the spoon or the other side of the spoon i'm buying that so if you get your bait down the middle, the spoon has the action that it's supposed to and acts and flutters more. So they said, you know, in summer it's important, but they said in winter it's even more important because you have a hole, you drop your flutter spoon down there. If it's off balance, it won't flutter as far, right? You've only got a small space to fish. So if you hook it right and put it in there, it'll flutter further okay. out the side of the hole and you may catch more fish. And in this case, he said he had stories where he caught more fish. This was... Like he's saying, this is a thing, like not just a theory. Well, that is just about the most intriguing thing I've heard in a little while. Now I got to go check all my spoons. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't look at a spoon. I just saw this. I was just looking at this today, and he had a video where they were talking at an event, and he explained it because at first, um, Kale just kind of said, "You put your hook on the back," and I'm like, "He's like, here's a video to explain it more," and I'm like, "You put the hook on the back? What? Do you, I don't even get it." But Basically, it's keeping the hook balanced or keeping the lure balanced. Sure. Huh. So Okay. Well, we'll have to try that and report back. And it's not that you won't catch fish if you don't do it. It's just that they will catch more fish. He told stories about him outfishing people in a boat by doing this. So, hmm. and, and, you know, sometimes I think some of these things is like, well, only if you use a Northland jig does it work this way. This wasn't that kind of information, right? This was like sure. any spoon, any flutter spoon. Probably not as much tungsten because those are like dropper spoons that just kind of blind to the bottom, right? But like leech, like ribbon leech spoons or those fluttery spoons. You know what's interesting? In the summer, I never think to grab a spoon for walleyes. Yeah. But in the winter, we use all these little vertical mm-hmm. jig spoons and and different kind of spoons. And so it's just a weird dynamic. You know, if you think about in the winter, it's like, well, I, I feel weird not fishing for walleyes with little spoons and a piece of bait. 
But in the summer, it's like, well, if I'm throwing a spoon on, I'm looking for a pike or bass or something else. Yeah. And I mean, they use them for panfish, for crappie, spoons, everything. I know. Right? I know. Okay. So, I mean, and I don't want to go any deeper on this, but I do want to go deeper on this. Like, so the other thing, and this is from last year too, we talked about this, was for a while we've been using tungsten, like tungsten, 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 like dropper, dropper, dropper. Like that's what everybody's using. And that's what I've been using for a while too. But we have kind of forgot about the flutter world, right? It is important. Sometimes they do want that drop to the bottom and it's easy to fish like that. And I think that's why we fish like that more. Because flutter spoons have more finesse and they're harder to to fish with, but you know, don't forget about the flutter spoons. Like keep one in your your arsenal. You know, like sometimes the tungsten drop to the bottom immediately isn't as good as a spoon fluttering as it goes down because they'll hit them on the bottom going down a lot. Well, and I mean the the other kind of a it sounds weird to say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I mean the whole point of any spoon, drig, bait is to match what fish see or one of two things i think maybe there's more than two but two i can think of number one you want to match the the forage you want to match whatever that fish would eat. match the hatch match that i hate saying match the hatch match the hatch fine <laughs> match like, the hatch you, you made me say it match the hatch i mean I, that's I mean the, it. option a that's what that's your shine yeah. does that spoon mimic a, a bait fish a wounded bait fish some sort of bug yep whatever second thing is you're just trying to make it mad <laughs> so it bites yeah you're just trying to make it like like have a reaction to it you, right? yeah and, and since it can't slap you with its fins it bites it. <laughs> it and i think later as we get through the season it's more important to have the enticing bite than match the hatch because i think right now like red lake i'm gonna use an example um the bite is hot yeah right? i've been seeing and, and i've seen seeing some pictures Yep, and Lake of the Woods can be like this too. And other, any lake where the bite is hot, sometimes it doesn't matter what you throw down there, right? I mean, you get a jig and a hook or whatever, and they don't even care. But in February, when the I, they've been slow, I mean, I think you need enticing bites sometimes. They're not just going to bite on anything. Yeah, I agree. Well, cool. I, I thought, I always love when you learn something new, brand new, a perspective you've never thought before. I know. And, and this isn't new. This is new to me. This was in the '90s, right? Like, like this is. There's a lot that gets like used and forgotten because the next big thing comes out. You know what I heard, Jay? Speaking of 30 years ago in the '90s, yeah, that it was like I the best this, ever. I said I saw this TikTok. I could get up off the floor without it hurting. <laughs> you didn't need that old man. I didn't pull a muscle fish out of the hole. On. <laughs> There's a lot of good about the '90s. Yeah. Well. So, anyways, <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's I can go our on. Era to, that's our era to a point. But we saw this thing today, and they go, they go, you know, like 30 years ago, and they go, you mean like the '70s? They're like, no, the '70s weren't 30 years ago. The '90s, 90s. were 30 years ago. <laughs> so yeah, it made me feel old well, and need old bandit. There's a old reason. Band assistance. There's a reason. There is that. a reason. I know. It's hard to consider yourself that old though like i think you think of yourself as younger than you actually oh, are absolutely and, and then you go to your 30 year high school reunion and you realize that you're not you're the same age as everybody else <laughs> all right 
I think we talked about that one. And they look old. <laughs> but they, they look like you, Jay. And me, right? <laughs> All right, moving forward. All right, so you want to talk about this one here, Jay? Mike H? Yeah, Mike H here, another listener. Michael H, appreciate your writing in. Um, thanked us for a recommendation of the Red Door last year. We're going to try it again. That's awesome. He's got an 11-year-old kid that's starting to enjoy the show, which is wonderful. Thank you for listening. He didn't tell us his name, so we can't give him a shout-out. He thinks we talk too much about beer. We just talk about beer like the very first part of the show. So there's you can always fast-forward if you want. Um, preseason rituals. This is the question. His are refilling one pound propane cylinders, setting the shanty up in the back, um, justifying gear improvements using bogus math and financial data. So about that was my favorite. That, that was my favorite. So around that, um, my advice, when possible, is you always want to tie gear upgrades to safety. That's the best way, and you have to do that delicately because you don't want to. You don't want to give the impression you've previously been unsafe. <laughs> so it's more about... It's a tightrope. It's a tightrope. It's a dance. It's just a dance. You, you've got to do the dance. So you want to give the impression that you're just looking out for additional safety things, you know, just to be the safest possible. Um, so anyway, but but yeah, the bogus math and financial data. I love it. Sharpening auger blades. Do you do that, Jeff? Do you sharpen your own auger blades? Have you I have ever never done that? Sharpened, I've never sharpened an auger in my life. I have replaced them. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm sure there. if you're a fishing guide and you go out every day, I'm sure you need to sharpen well, them. But like, I mean, I have an ion 40 volt with uh, laser blades on it, right? And it's five years old. I've never replaced the blades. They probably need to be replaced, but I've never sharpened them. Yeah. My um, pistol bit, we've had that, what, a couple years now, three years? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've drilled a lot of holes with that thing. Um, not as many as some people, but certainly have drilled. I mean, because we've used it on a couple hard water trips. I've used it. Yeah. And I don't go out and just drill a hole. <laughs> I mean, I'm a I'm a Swiss cheese kind of person when I, when I fish. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, I haven't hit anything with it. I think some of this might depend on how dirty the ice is where you fish. So if you're in an area that has, I'm, I'm just thinking maybe like a South Dakota or some place where you might get a lot of dirt. Uh, North Dakota, when we were fishing in those lakes in North Dakota, the ice was dirty. If you if you hit the wrong spot, you hit dirt. And the other spot, you hit three feet. Yeah, of there's water. that. I mean, those so there's kind of situations. Yeah, once you hit real. any sort of dirt or sand with that auger blade, it's toast. But um, only laser blades are like that, though. The chipper blades, yeah, you can kind of get by. Slicing dicer blades or whatever. They're not the yeah. chippers. So I probably need to get a new set. So that's interesting. Okay, a lot of, lot of comments out of this. DIY improvements in your sled and bucket. Figuring how to turn it into a three-star resort. Yeah, so the, he upgraded to the Marcom Recon 5 underwater camera. We looked at that at the ice fishing show. Kind of a nice camera. Um, and he did a DIY project rod locker out of cardboard, foam, and duct tape. I kind of want to see some pictures. I want to see the rod locker. And I want to see it in a before the season picture and an after the season picture. (laughs) So if you'd send that, I'm really curious on that. Um, Michael has more ingenuity than I, because I just, I just, I lose interest. He's still running a hand auger. That's why he's sharpening blades. 
I bet if you're running a hand auger, you notice like immediately when those blades get dull. And I'm yes, running running do. a power auger. You're you've got a whole more a whole bunch more like leeway on if that yes. that's bad or good. So I would that agree that with makes that. sense. So Mike and Boy, you guys have a great ice season. Make sure to send us some pictures of things you've caught. And and some stories to be told, okay? And this rod locker also. And the rod locker. I want a before and after picture, man. Yeah. No, and if you get up to Red Door, give a shout out. Maybe Jeff will be up there fishing. Maybe yeah, you I can mean, show him a thing or two. He can always use help. If there's help. some ice this year. Jeff can always use help. Always. <laughs> yeah, Make sure to for tell sure. Him. Make sure to tell him. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Hashtag outfish Jeff. Yeah, all right. You're trying that. <laughs> He has hashtag ice fit. I don't know what that means. Ice fit? Yeah, because he's running. He's running the hand auger. Uh, oh, ice! Oh, that he's saying CrossFit, CrossFit ice, ice fit. I get fit. it. Yeah, yeah. I, you're, it's, I, I, sorry, you're, you're a little running behind tonight. Oh, yeah, stay ice with fit. the program. That's why he said crushing brewskis and burpees. There you go. Um, I actually did burpees yesterday, and I what hurt. The heck, you know those aren't mandatory. I know, but I know. And then I did burpee, and I actually I'm not at CrossFit anymore. I've kind of retired a little bit for right now for CrossFit, but and my body shows it because there's more of me than there ever has been right now. <laughs> You're just a lovable guy. <laughs> there's lots of to love me right now. Um, we're trying to work on that so I can fit into my bibs for this year. But anyways, uh, I did do burpees yesterday, but ice fit, I like it. Um, I forgot we talked about that last year about you got to get ready to get out there if you're walking totally. I see. I just bought a machine type thing. Yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's upcoming episode. Eventually, if I ever get ice or snow. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard this year. I think. Yeah, we'll get. We'll uh, get it'll there. happen. Yeah, I'm I've never seen a season where we haven't. I mean, I mean, if we get to January, we'll just start driving. We have though in years though, Jay. We have booked. This was 20 years ago. We booked a resort, uh, booked a place on Mille Lacs, and the ice wasn't good enough in mid-January to drive out there. Yeah. Remember that? I also remember an early January trip up to where you go, where you're... Um... Oh, yeah, up up to by McGregor. Yes. And we were up by McGregor. Remember we yep. were like spud barring out, and the spud bar went through? Yeah. And we're like, yeah. oh. Oh boy! Yeah, and this was January. Then, yeah, yeah, and like one spot we were when every time somebody would walk by or drive by, you know, the whole ice would flex and stuff. We were on Big Sandy. Big Do you Sandy. That? that was Big Sandy. Yeah, it was. We were fishing. Super, super. And that was the same year you lost your phone, by the way. It was. Yeah. So we we're. This is a many years ago, but we were on Big Sandy, and I mean, we were probably on what would you say six inches of ice? I mean, it was at that spot but there was another spot it was really dicey we didn't go yeah, out so all the way where we wanted we walked i know i'm pretty sure we yeah. walked out yeah. There. oh yeah and then we walked and then a guy in a gator six by six drove by i know <laughs> and we were like the whole thing's shaking oh my gosh yeah, yeah. we've never told that it's not really a legend it's kind of a no it's just a story happened, but yeah i watched yeah that was a that was a sad day so, <laughs> anyways, so Philip N to keep it moving. Philip N on Facebook for bleeding out fish uses a rapala braid scissors to cut the throat. I like the two in one kind of combo, and throws them on the ice. Uh, maybe it freezes before it totally gets blood out. I would imagine it's the 
the, I did that bleeding out thing once in my shack, and when I flipped my shack, it looked like a massacre had taken place. Okay. Well, yeah, there's, I think you have to have a bucket or a cooler, and I don't like to let my fish freeze. That is a pain in the butt. Oh, yeah. I mean, Put them in a bucket of snow, not, usually, if there's yeah. snow, but sometimes there's no snow. Yeah. So I, then you put some water always, in the bucket. I always think of that iconic picture we have out on Red oh, Lake. Yeah. This was many, many years moons ago. ago. So Ole had his four wheeler, and on the front of his four wheeler, yep. he has, I think they're actually like for a gun it's rack. It's a gun but rack, we, yeah. But we use it for our ice auger rack, yeah. right? You put the handles in there, and it worked really well. But it was so cold. Remember, that was like bitterly it was cold that day. Stupid cold. And we had a walleye, and it froze solid, and we put it in, put the, it in the gun rack. Like it, it, I mean, we eventually ate it, but like before we cleaned it, it was frozen. It was also it was a like, picture of us like having a sword fight with frozen walleyes. Yeah, they were so. It was like it was in our finest it was moment. So cold, so cold. That was the only time I got you to agree to not fish anymore. I know. I'm like Jason. It's really cold. I think it's well, safe. We should don't, go back. You know why? Like, though. Okay. You know why? Why? Why did you get me to leave? Well, because we were in a heated shack Bingo. that was fishing. Also, we could go back and fish more in the heat. Yeah, we had a permanent correct. Shack. It wasn't. We weren't giving up. We were simply changing locations. All right. So thanks, Philip, for that um, fishing report. So people are on Red Lake fishing. I've seen. Some of the I'll call them famous ice fishing people. I don't know. No, oh, they're all like, on Red what, Lake. All the, all the personalities, in which doing which, live shows. Yeah, I mean, if that's live. your jam, that's where yeah. you need to be. Otherwise, you're you know you're doing con old content, so you might as well get out there and do content. Well, and part of the problem is there's just not many places to go. No. I mean, it's not unless you go to Canada. Not a lot. Yeah, I did see uh, somebody was out on Winnemagosh. Oh, cool. I don't know how cool. far they were out on Winnemagosh. Kurt was really excited about Lake of the Woods freezing over, and I think it stopped. Yeah. So. He posted on Facebook um, we a couple days it. later. And they had the, remember, he talked about the satellite picture, yep. right? And he said he was waiting for that because that's how you can really tell if it's locked up. Yeah, and it's not. And being locked up on a big lake is really important, and it's not Correct. locked it up. It keeps you from floating away. Yeah, because otherwise, you go sitting on six inches of ice, the wind blows and cracks, and you're you're like, you're like Buddy Elf. You're like Buddy Elf like floating away. away. But you don't end up in New York afterwards. No. And then you have to decide, <laughs> do I care? Or you know, will it free? How long will I be here before it freezes up again? Pull out the Johnson, hook it up to a sheet ice, yeah. and just cruise around Absolutely. the lake? Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I know there's been a lot of things. And, and I mean, I mean it, it's real things have happened out there, so be careful. But... So I think the fishing report is it's pretty spotty. If you're fishing, consider yourself a lucky few yes. that are getting out there. I mean, and send us your fishing reports. Yeah, please do. And because we know that it's not just this isn't just a Minnesota Iowa show. We got listeners all over. So please, please, please feed us some content. We're would like to see fish. I have seen some of our listeners in the mountains, and I think they have ice because I think it just happens. So yeah. I think some of those people are fishing. But even out east, I don't know. I guess we'd have to check with some of our out east yeah, contacts. Colby. But like, yeah, I don't know. Colby maybe could tell us, but I, yeah. I'd be surprised if they're fishing out there yet. All right, Jay, you want to run us through show business? Show business. Best place to interact with us is on social media with Instagram and Facebook. Um, hardwatershow.com for our website. We're at YouTube at Hardwater, Hardwater Show. 
You can email us at hardwatershow at gmail. It's probably the best way. Um, Instagram and Facebook are okay, too. On X, yeah. we're at Hardwater Show as well. Um, yeah. We always enjoy getting content from you guys. So we thank you very much for that. For Je- sure. Jeff, we didn't have any fact checks. That's awesome. That means everything. No fact checks. I mean, everything we've said in the last show is 100% true. <laughs> Take it to the <laughs> bank. So According to just us. Just a reminder to all, in, for those that are new that our policy here on the Hardwater Show is that you have from now till the next show is published to fact check us. And if you do not, then the information stands. It cannot be refuted and or argued in the future. And that comes with no warranty implied or actual. I mean, <laughs> mileage may vary. Do at your own risk. Always applies. 100%. No warranty expressed or implied on any information. Yes. Other than just the wow. knowledge that it's 100% true and accurate. And if it didn't work, you just screwed it up. <laughs> it's a user error. It's a completely user error. Everybody else catches a walleye on this lake. Why didn't you? You screwed user it error, up. Right? You pulled a Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right. So really good current events here. I, I don't know. I love to consume information about fishing. I don't know. I have outdoor news. I have virtual angler Jason Mitchell's thing. He had a really awesome Black Friday deal. was half price. He posts a lot of content there. And just all over the place well i mean when you hit middle age which you are you had a choice you you have to make something your passion so like you could you could know everything there is to know about world war ii history you could take up gardening for example um metalworking by the way i like both those things i like both those things so you know but but ice fishing is your passion and my passion so yeah. we don't don't quiz me on World War II information. I don't know a lot about trains, any of that stuff. But we do know some stuff about ice fishing. Man, I watch too much YouTube because <laughs> I like all those things. You oh, did you? Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> did Did you know? Well, I oh no. Did you know? No, I don't want to know. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Now I want to know. Did you know that you know? No. In Duluth, you've been to Duluth. Oh yeah, before. I, I was born in Duluth. I'm a Duluthite. So I'm a native Duluthian. You've been to the train museum. Yeah, I love the train museum. We went there as kids. We'd take the Absolutely. pumpkin train. Yep. Right? In the museum, they have that big boy. Yes. It's like this train. Yes. It has like articulation. It's like the giant thing. They brought one of those back, and it's driving around on the tracks. Huh. So they converted it from coal to fuel oil because they couldn't. I yeah. Know, I guess can't probably coal environmentally. Anymore. <laughs> well, it's still not, I mean, black smoke comes out of it. It's not like it's, but so it's kind of like a PR thing. I saw this video and so they resurrected it. It took, I'm sure a gazillion dollars, but it drives around on the tracks and it's a steam locomotive, right? Well, it's not, it's fuel oil. Fuel, well, is it but steam it's powered they, by they steam. They use the fuel oil to make the boiler go. Yes. Okay, so it's a steam. Still yeah, steam, yeah, yeah. just not coal so steam, cool. it's steam steam. Nothing like uh, it. So this video of this regular train, you know, with diesel electric regular trains got stuck on the tracks on like the mountain. And they're like, yeah, sure, we can help. And he hooks up to the back of this thing and you got a steam train pushing this oh, well, mile got, long. Th- yeah, they could. That thing's got crazy, crazy horsepower. 
So I have a lot of passions, but yes, this is one of them. See, people but did so not is... expect us to talk about trains. <laughs> you just hang with us. You never know what, what rabbit hole or... I don't know how to garden. You're better at that than I am. I've so. done some fair bit of gardening, but we're yeah. not going to go. We're not getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like. I was just watching a World War II Netflix history show. Okay. So anyways. All right. Well, I maybe need to retract my earlier statement about you. Then. <laughs> no, I just have too many things. But there's some really good information out there about ice fishing, and one of the places I get it from Outdoor News, and the so the thing they talk about here, and we talked about this a little bit. He talked about early ice safety and he was talking about some of the ice conditions but the main thing is just make sure it's locked up right i mean or really know what you're doing if the lake's not locked yeah. up so supposedly people are ice fishing on the south end of malax but man i don't know i guess you know better than i nope so so this was a debate thing here jason and the Back to Basics by James Linder. So, I mean, Linder obviously knows ice fishing. And he was talking about how he said, high-end mapping has truly revolutionized the sport of fishing and is arguably the most beneficial tool for anglers who understand how fish move seasonally. So this made me think of this question. If you could have a lake map or a flasher, which one would you take? New Lake. Do so either okay. So brand new lake, I have no idea any of the depth. You, you can stare at a frozen lake, never it's got been snow there. on it, and I can have never a flasher, just a flasher, just like a any you know you could or you could have map. a FL eighteen. You could have a Markham, whichever flasher you want, right? Even I would take the flasher over a map. How many batteries do I have for my auger? <laughs> well, as many batteries as you want. I'm taking the I'm taking the, the flasher okay. and my auger, and we're going to get some work done. So you're going to punch holes, two feet, one foot, two feet, one foot. Yeah, and I would tell you my experience from that would come from my trips to the Boundary Waters, okay. where we often didn't have lake maps, and so you'd have to use kind of the the surrounding terrain to guide you on some of your decisions yeah. as to where a fish would be or wouldn't be. But I still think, um, especially in ice fishing, being able to know if there's fish underneath you is, and, and maybe what that bottom composition is, is more valuable than a lake map. That's my opinion. I think I'm taking the lake map. Lake, why can't... The, uh, the lake map. Lake map. Because I can go, there is a point over there with a transition. It's a mid-lake hump, and I can drill a hole, put my lead weight, drop it to the bottom, yeah. tell how You're deep it is. You're not going to find mid-lake humps without a map. You're going to build, you're going to work the shore breaks and work yeah. off islands that you can see. But yeah, you're right. You're not going to find those. But now, you didn't say if other people have fished that lake because I may find a mid-lake hump just by looking for other people's spots they've drilled. Okay, there you go. I'd be that's, like, that's legit. interesting, why are there holes here? And then I'd drill a hole and I'd use my flasher to tell me how deep it is and I'd go 30 feet in another direction and map it. Yep, you're, you're totally now, right. That's a good... If you had the map and I had the sonar, we'd be a perfect team. Yeah, I, I was thinking like <laughs> you had to choose and you had no access yeah, to Yeah, I'd other. take the sonar every day. 
And, and you have a good point because I do this and you don't even realize it. You read the shoreline to tell you what the lake is doing, don't you? I do. Like steep cliff that goes into the water. Yep. Just big drop off. What, what the ground's coming in, you know, I, I do. Um, the other thing I would say is I'm so used to fishing smaller structures, smaller lakes in Iowa here that just there's really no lake map. Uh, so I just, you know, I mean, I really, yeah. And then I fished so many years in a boat without a lake map for years with no lake map. Yeah. Just a fly, just but a depth finder. Before I had a, any kind of, I mean, any kind of thing that would show me like any electronics at all, I would buy those plastic cards Yeah. at the bait shop that would show you. I mean, it wasn't. They weren't very we helpful. Call it detailed, but it would tell you like it would still be good enough to kind of guess. Yeah, right? you could you tell. Would... Is this just a big, shallow bay, or is this deep to the edge? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Certainly, it'd mark like walleyes on a little spot, and you could try to find like I'm in the walleye spot that the plastic map says. Well, I'm not catching fish. And th- and then we used to have the books, like you could the buy book. the metro I, books yep. of all the lakes. And now you know. I mean, I've got it on my Helix Seven, and. I, I use it as much as I use. I use it to find the the gross spot I want to fish, the big spot, and then yeah. you use the the other one to locate smaller. Yep. I mean, I just think you're fishing different. But yeah, I take yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a great question. Just made me think of it. So I tell you, it'd be a it'd be an interesting tournament to not allow any electronics anymore. How about no anything, no maps, no electronics, like just just, just grandpa. There's Can you bring lake. grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you've been on the lake before, I mean, we all back in the day, you'd be like, line up the water tower with the Absolutely. blue house, and then you're gonna fish ten feet off of shore or whatever. I mean, we used to do that. And you get time. back there the next year, and they'd paint the dumb house. You're like, which house was that? <laughs> yeah. All right. I I just thought it was interesting about. We don't think of the mapping. People talk about forward-facing sonar and flashers a lot, but we don't talk about the maps as much. No. No, we don't. We should talk. We could do a whole show on ma- reading maps. We need to get someone, maybe get someone from Navionics on the show. That'd be kind of fun. And I certainly have proclivities on how I fish when I look at a map. And sometimes I question those, right? Because you're like, oh, I should see fish on the windward side of the break i should fish on the narrow part of sad i don't know i have but some of them are probably wrong but i certainly have ways i mm-hmm. fish absolutely and we, we fish pretty similar because i've looked at a map you've looked at a map independently of a whole lake and like we come up with the same spot we're going to start i remember when we were at malax the first time you came up there and i said you know, you're fishing and you wanted to go somewhere else, like other than where the wheelhouse was. And I said, here is where I think you should go. And I think Matt was already fishing there because that's where he picked. Yeah, right? we, like- we already had it picked out. <laughs> we, coming out of that access, there's only so many spots. You're like, hey, I think this is where we should be. And there we were. And any given day, that's where somebody will be fishing. Yep. I mean, it's a spot. Absolutely. Steve Carney has this article, Angle from the Northwest Angle which is just kind mm-hmm. of a regular thing. But he talked about gear, and we saw the 
ice show, there's some lighting, and lighting is kind of a big deal, and people hook batteries up to their lights that are built in the shacks and that kind of stuff. But I still I still pretty much rock a headlamp most of the time. I know it's not as bright, but from a portability perspective, you can just bring it with. And, and I know there's lots of other things. I just, the fussiness and stuff gets to me sometimes. So I, I don't know. He talked about a bunch of gear, but I, I, with him, mostly use a headlamp for my light source. Yeah, I have headlamps in about every every vehicle I own and every pocket of everything when it comes to gear. And I use them in the winter. Um, my new climb Kenai has um, has a built-in light bar. And I do like that. But I do like an overhead light in a, in a flip-over. Um, but the headlamp, the nice thing about the headlamp is the light's always where your eyeballs are. Well, and... And, and I like those overhead lamps and stuff, but I still, even that, they had that one in the clam that's, it's really thin, it's LED mm-hmm. folded up. I mean, it couldn't be easier, right? There's no way to make that easier, except there's a wire that you have to hook up to your lithium battery that sits on the side of the shack. And I'm like, so you either have to, I know we have them for our flashers, but either you're hooking up your flasher battery to the LED lamps in your shack, which is possible, but, you know, it has to be in the right spot and that kind of stuff. Or... I'm bringing an extra lithium battery with me just to heat up, hook up the LED lights in my ice shack. And that seems like overkill. I don't know. Maybe everybody has one of these things and they bring an extra battery just for all their other stuff. But it, it feels fussy to me and a headlamp puts in my pocket and I do whatever I need mm-hmm. to do. So mine, I, even though it's I've got an, not as good as a yeah. overhead lamp. I've got an adapter for my drill battery that I use for my auger. And so I just oh. hook it into that. And that has a cell phone charger on it and a hook in for the light. That seems smarter so, than another I mean, lithium battery power box. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a real simple way to do it. Um, it just depends on what kind of auger you're running. Yeah. You know, what I'm running. Well, that, I like real, that. That's that works. It's not as simple as a headlamp. but it's No, it's simpler. absolutely not as simple as a headlamp. Um, I think the headlamp, for me, you know, if you're putting in like, so, I don't know. It's just comfort sometimes in a long day on your forehead. For sure. Yeah, there, there always seems to be this, like, pull between comfort and portability, yeah. right? Like, oh, there's yeah. some kind of, you know, like, the more comfortable you are, the less portable you are, and the more less likely you are to move because you're too comfortable. Yeah, probably not my headlamp's going to keep me from walking. No. All right, yeah, and I, I just keep some extra AAA batteries, too, when you get your headlamp because it always seems like when you get out there, it dies. So I always bring my extra. And I like the rechargeable ones. I buy these Amazon rechargeable AAA batteries. They're so nice. I I ditch the rechargeables. I just, I haven't done those. I buy the Rayovac, the big packs of Rayovacs. And... If you buy Amazon Basics rechargeable batteries off of Amazon, they're almost as cheap as buying real batteries. Oh, are they? Like, they are so cheap you now. Know what, I'll buy like, yeah, they're so cheap. You know what saved me a lot of money is I finally bought a little battery tester. Oh, so yeah. when I find a battery in a drawer, I can test it. And I know if it's good yeah. or bad. And I tell you what, more than often they're good. And yeah. which tells me I've been throwing out a lot of good batteries over oh, the years. Because I'm know. like, well, I don't know if you're good or bad. So you chuck it because you're like, well, I don't want to put a bad battery in something. Right. So now yeah. I test. That's a good idea. No, I just use, I have a little charger and we just have a box and you swap them out. And I don't know, I've really gotten into those lately because 
I get so tired of throwing them away. It's such a waste. I don't know. I just. Anyways, who knows the. Maybe the rechargeable ones are worse. I really don't know. Yeah. It seems like they do I just chuck them. I know. But anyway. All right. So batteries and headlamps. Moving on from that. Jay, tell tell me a little bit about that shuttle you bought. Now, it wasn't for you at the show, but you nope. bought a shuttle. I got a buddy of mine that picked up a Garmin Live Scope, and he needed a shuttle for it. And so I picked up a Fingear shuttle, which is the same shuttle Ole has for his. And so we, we picked up, they were like 50 bucks off at the show. It was a really good yeah, price. Yeah, it was. It's it like 200, 200 bucks. 209 bucks. With tax. Well, yeah, everything. plus the government's pick. But um, for that Finnegear shuttle, which is a really solid, nice made out of sh- uh, metal shuttle, and it'll fit that Garmin Live Scope really well. So, yep, we picked that up for him and looking forward to him using that when we go fishing. <laughs> You're like, look at, I got you part. I know of- that. That's why I was. I call it because I knew he hadn't <laughs> hasn't have it set up yet. I'm like, hey, I'm at the ice fishing show. Uh, you need a shuttle? <laughs> just gentle. Can I buy the cheapest thing you can buy for this? Nud- and- just nudging him forward. Because <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, if you know what I've decided is, it's cheaper for me to talk up Panoptics so the guys I fish with buy one. Yeah. Because I don't need my own if they have it. Yeah, it's like if you bought someday. a snow bear, I don't need a snow bear. I just ride with you. Someone's got to so, ride shotgun. The, the, the price will cross the the x y axis where it actually makes sense. The price will come down. Correct. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the snow bear um, will come down. Probably not. I don't, uh, snow bear, I don't think is going to get any cheaper, but electronics tend to. Dude, I still want one. It's on my list. Yeah, I know. I know. It'd be awesome. All right, well, should we talk talk about our topic here, Jay? I think we should. So we went to the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show. It was a lot of fun. We had pizza afterwards, and we went home. Yes. What were your highlights? <laughs> no. Well, okay, good show. <laughs> Thanks good for show. listening. Okay, so one thing that I thought was pretty cool, Snow Dog, we talk about Snow Dog we've t- on and off over the years, and, I, and uh, so they were at the show, and they had some kind of next-gen stuff going on that, you know, depends on how you feel about it, but it, it certainly was neat. I'd love to see it in action. Is they had an electric bike, <clears throat> and they had an electric snow dog. Now, the the concern always is with electric. What do you do when you run out of electric? You know, you're out in the middle of nowhere and your battery dies. Interestingly enough, they had thought of that, <laughs> and they had built into both machines a caddy carrying device for a generator. So the motorcycle had a generator on it that could be removed from the bike, as did the snow dog that could either provide another 60 miles of range, but it could be running as you're snow dogging and or riding your motorcycle, electric motorcycle. Um, I was, it's innovative. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, certainly, you know, that electric motorcycle for sneaking up on a, in a deer season, you know, we haven't seen much elect- in the way of electric ATVs yet, Jeff, really. Um, I'm sure they're out there, but this this is probably the first foray into that. You know, it's like, it was like a one of those Rubicon things, you know, that were always in the popular yeah. science magazines. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a lot of those. I've kind of, I'm still like, if I ever found one of those cheap, I'd buy one for up at the cabin, but um, it kind of really reminded me of that. And they, they were just hot off the press, so they, they were just finished those concept vehicles, so... It's pretty cool. 
it looked like kind of like a big mini bike. It did. Yeah. Right? Like the mini bike from the 80s. And I don't yep. know where mini bikes came from. Everybody had a mini bike in the 80s. They did. I don't know where they came from. I mean, with a lawnmower engine in it that went loud. I don't know. So it kind of looked like a big mini bike. Yep. It was run electricity, but there was a generator to charge it. Although, and it was really cool. So it's basically like a hybrid, essentially. Yeah, it's a hybrid. Yeah. I mean. In a lot of ways. Ex- except the generator could only charge the battery. Correct. Yeah, the, the the gas portion did not drive the wheels. It just quick charged the battery. Yeah, well, and I think you couldn't you couldn't like drive it on the gas. Like no. you still would have to stop, charge it for a while, and then go a little ways, and then stop and charge it and go for, for a little ways. As I understood it, if you turn the generator on before your battery died, you can get ahead of the discharge. It okay. gives you longer uh-huh. range. Okay. But eventually, once it's dead, you're going to have to let it charge for a while. Sure. Um, and they said, what, a couple hours to get to full charge? Yeah. You know, so so yeah. let's think yeah. the snow dog. So you, you head out, you charge it when you're out there. I think that's great. You head home. The only thing um, that I, only question I would have is similar to what we've talked about with the... Um, with your ice shack, when you're running a generator, do you run the generator while you fish? Yeah. Does it have an effect on the fish, the vibration, et cetera? Yeah. So, you know, but, but there again, you know, people out there doing different things and um, the simplicity of electric motors really compared yeah. to gas, you know, it's kind of cool. I thought it was cool. And, and even if it doesn't end up being like something I get, I think it's cool that people are doing that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Right? I mean, it's, it's, people are trying. I mean, it's cool. Well, it's something different. So think about it from the homemade market idea. Yeah. Like Snow Dog, there's not a lot of gearing. There's two gears, you know, usually your motor drive to your chain drive. Um, you can get a lot of stinking horsepower out of an electric motor mm-hmm. compared to a, a similarly sized and weight gas motor. Um, mm-hmm. So now, and you've got these lithium batteries that are pretty particular. You know, that's, to me, the game changer, these lithium batteries. And they only had in that Snow Dog, they only had six, two 60-amp batteries. You know, you could you could double that range easily with with bigger, with 100-amp you know, batteries. You know, then you're talking to your controller and stuff. I mean, so there's a, D, there's a DIY portion of that, too, to think about. But but it's cool. I I mean I, I don't cool. know that I'm. You're still going to spend more than the three hundred dollar Predator motor or whatever you buy from Harbor Freight. You slap on the DIY. Well, motors. sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. For sure. Well, I'm excited about. I got a new Otter cabin hub with the big door. You know, I got rid of my Otter cabin with the taco door, so now I have one with the big door. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I'm I'm real excited for you. Take that kid out and try to catch him a fish. Yeah, well, we got to get some ice first. Yeah, no doubt. But it'll be out when there's enough ice. So I'll do a tour. I did it. You know, I put a video out there of the old one. I'll do a tour of the new one and put that out on Facebook or not on Facebook on YouTube eventually here. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, Jason, do you remember the bait loader? I do remember the bait loader. So this, do you want me to talk about it or you want to talk about it? Yeah, you, know, you talk about it. Yeah. So this was probably one of the most innovative solutions looking for a problem things i've ever seen in my life (laughs) 
and and I got to give the, the fellow props that made it because it was it was pretty cool. Um, so waxies, you know, you you got them in a little cup and you got to pluck them out of there and put them on your hook. This dude had created a sorting ring, essentially, that loaded all them little waxies into a little tube. And then you could take your hook and spear them little buggers right out of the little loader. So you never had to touch them, I guess, at least when you're trying to hook them on. So the, to me, the advantage of you could do this with a glove on. Yes. You could do it yep, with a glove that's on. That's a good point. That was the big thing that I took away because I don't think any of us are, I mean, you still got to kind of flick the little buggers to get them load up yeah. properly. And I mean, whatever. I don't think any, if, if you're squeamish about hooking a wax worm on, you're probably not going to go fishing mm. anyway. So um, <laughs> I don't think that, to me, it was more about you could do that whole process with a glove on. You wouldn't have to take a glove off. And if it's super yeah. cold, that that's really important. And yeah, so then you could load, you could take your little waxy and hook them on there, and or maggot, and, and you didn't have to touch it, and you keep your gloves on to load it up. It it was cool. He had a whole thing going on. So it was very cool. So it looks like he's got a, a Facebook site. So Facebook uh, bait load is the name of it. And oh, the other little cool thing, Jeff, why don't you talk about this that he had? I'd never seen this before, and that was really cool too. Yeah, and you thought of me because I'm always did. talking about sharpening your you hooks. Are. Safety. You don't want rusty, dull hooks. You want sharp hooks, Jason. Never had a fish write me a letter about getting tetanus. <laughs> but it was this little spot. Like, you just put it like a sticker almost. You'd put it, was it, on a, your, it was a, your literally rod. a sticker with sandpaper. It sand was a sticker. You, it, that's all it was. Yeah. But then you stick them on things, and then you can sharpen your hook anywhere you are. Just give it a little I, swipe. I cool. and Yeah, I... I thought it was that was another really in, inventive kind of a, oh yeah, duh, that's cool kind of thing. You know, like you wouldn't so simple, but awesome. Well, and I think a lot of these things you see, you know, there's still a lot of independent people out of these shows. And three D printing is really kind. Of, this was some of this was three D printed. It it helps get you to that prototype level, or just kind of, you know, you don't have to pay somebody ten thousand dollars to spool up a mold to create it or something Correct. right you can just kind of print it at home and try it out and sell a few and see if it works out without a huge investment so i, yeah. I think 3d printing has really helped some of our our industry get cool things Absolutely. and maybe you know eventually you know like we saw with the um bass king guys that, that shuttle i have mm -hmm. you noticed last year mine was 3d printed this year theirs was not 3d printed it was metal so you know they could got started on 3d printing but they moved on to other things so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right so jay why don't you talk about we saw dave gens there we did so dave was there at the show um he was demonstrating uh, how to use a tungsten or a snowdrop jig and a silky and super cool it's like a little skirt for your jig and it just it just flutters and floats in the water and uh it is pretty cool it was pretty cool he was super chipper and just he just you can tell he just loves talking to people about ice fishing it's so cool to see and i would just say and we're not i want to say we're not sponsored by clam or nothing but clam no. the clam guys um were all over that show you know, everywhere helping out and they were just all super friendly. 
And I, so I, I, I just like to recognize good work when I see it. And they certainly were, were very helpful in every, every time they could and showing people things and talking to people. They did a really nice job. I don't know. My and two cents. I agree. And Dave is super great. He's, you know, he invented the clam ice yeah. shelter, the flip over shelters that we talk about all over the place. And he's still out there showing two guys how to fish a jig, right? Yeah. I mean, and loving it. So they are passionate about it. And I think, you know, like you said, clam in general, I mean, they brought a lot of innovation to ice fishing Absolutely. and made it super accessible. So I, yeah, you yeah. can't say enough about how good. Yeah. And they're willing to share knowledge. And I mean, it's just nice. They're, they're It's just a great group of people. I mean, they had, I'm way underestimating if I said there was 25 pros there. Oh man, it's, there was a lot. There's so many. Yeah. And we asked a question and the guy brought us across the the whole place looking for the special tackle box. I mean, yeah. super helpful. Yeah, that was Matt Klug. Yeah, Matt Klug. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's like, he's, oh, we'll go find one. Yeah, he guides up so. by uh, St. Cloud. Yeah. Very close to where I'm at. I know. He could teach you how to catch fish. Maybe he could teach me how I to catch I listened to an fish. interview with him. He just was on another podcast. He was talking about he likes uh, teaching quite a bit so i thought gosh jeff needs to go fish with that guy that seems to be a thing and maybe this is just obvious but i think there's a lot of teachers who guide i think it's we've talked to a couple of them yeah i think it's just kind of a natural uh you know they're just naturally good at that they have the patience for it and it takes patience i'm sure yeah oh yeah so the thing that dave always talks about and he's talked about this for years dave gens um when you have your tungsten jig on there, it's not meant any to jig. be vertical. Any jig, yeah, any jig. It's meant to be horizontal, at least for ice fishing. I don't know if you can always get them to do that in the summer, but um, that's something I totally changed as soon as Dave Gunn showed me that years ago. And the other thing with the silky is it is actual silk, so it's like it absorbs smells and it acts differently than other materials do in the water and that's why it's successful jay you talked to this sos guy sled organizing system quite a bit yeah this this was kind of a cool thing um so this fellow he is using lightweight plastic and um i think cnc and developed a organizing system for uh, the different flip over shacks and, and just pull behind sleds and kind of a cool thing. He's got different designs on there. Um, so instead of making it out of plywood, for example, if you want everything kind of to have its own place, you can you can use these these dividers and and it's all customizable and adjustable um, for your particular particular sled. Looks like it runs about 100 anywhere to 150 to 200 bucks depending on the size of sled. Um, and you get a bunch of different size dividers to keep all your stuff from rattling around and keep it all safe. So it's it's pretty cool. It's born and raised in Minnesota. It's a Minnesota product. He makes it in Minnesota. It's not an overseas product, so it's pretty neat. Um, SledOrganizingSystem.com is his website. So check that out if you're looking looking for something different and you're like, you know, I really need to organize my sled, but I'm never going to do it. And honestly, looking at his stuff and the prices, man, by the time you bought all your fasteners, your plywood, mm -hmm. cut everything out, screwed and glued it together, and it wouldn't be adjustable. So if you got a different size auger, now you got to redo it. Um, 
I think it's a pretty good deal. I think it's actually a pretty reasonable price for what he's selling. So my two cents. And it's lighter weight. Like you put some plywood in there, it's going to be way heavier than this. That's I don't know what kind of plastic it is. I should know, but it's a lightweight plastic. It's HDPE. It, there, that thing. Which is a recycled plastic product. So is it basically like milk jugs? It's like recycled milk jugs. Yeah, but it's really but, sturdy. It's sturdy stuff. And it's thin. It's light. Yep. It was not heavy. Yep. But, I mean, if you go to the so, website, yeah. you can see, like, he's got a, a, an auger in there, and it's got its little spot, and his rod bag's got a spot, and then his propane's got a little spot, his heater, and his Garmin. It's all sectioned off, so if you're bouncing down the highway on it, you know, or across the ice at 20 mile an hour, it should all stay put. He could make the best infomercial. Who? He would be like, without this, the SOS system... Somebody walks out to their ice shack and they open their sled and they're like, "Oh no!" and everything's oh, flying yeah, everywhere. Like you could look in mine and, and look like in his, and that would be. Yeah, and you'd be like, yeah. and he'd get out there and be like, "Look at all my stuff is where it's supposed right to where be. it's supposed it's, to be." Yeah, yeah. So I it was. Why. That's why it I was cool. About like an infomercial where they're like, "Oh no, it's a total mess," you know, because we've all been there where your oh, stuff yeah. gets beat up and broken. And my my personal stuff. favorite is when the corner of the cover comes off and then a snowmobile just fills your whole shack with snow <laughs> so you get there to fish you take the the rest of the cover off and you have like it's just all all snow so this would keep the snow in the one corner it would at least keep it a in a little box yeah <laughs> this wouldn't but fix yeah, I, that problem but at least you I, I know thought where was, your stuff was that's right i thought it was, and we've all had stuff break um on lake of the woods we've had heaters break because they bop around your whatever it just gets beat up back there so this was something your cousin really keyed us in on was this otter sidekick jump seat. Yeah, my on a six caliber bucket. My my cousin Ryan showed me this, and uh, it's just a a seat that snaps onto a bucket, but it's got a backrest on it, and it's surprisingly comfortable. You wouldn't think it would be looking at it. I would recommend the six gallon bucket, so you're not your you know knees aren't <laughs> as close to your ears. ears. But um, it was. It was certainly a comfortable thing, and it was lightweight and had a handle on it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for certain, you know, if I was fishing with a, um, maybe in a, a flip-over, not a flip-over shack or a, like a hub oh. shack, I, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be a great, actually a really great spot to stick a kid, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and takes up a lot less space than, let's say, a, a regular camp chair. And then you got your bucket to throw your fish in and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it definitely has a good use to it. I think they strap into otter shacks, too, if you have flip-over ones. The bigger ones, they're supposed to be like you can kind of make a two-man, a three-man if you put that in the middle. So I think they oh, fit yeah. their system a little bit. Yeah, it fits in the center of an otter sh- uh, yeah. shack, yeah. But it goes on a five-gallon bucket that would work anywhere so i mean it's not just limited to that man if they could make that sucker that lightweight and put a swivel on it i'd be well it kind of swivels you just move your bucket in a circle you, i guess yeah <laughs> i was thinking more like hunting on a blind oh yeah be comfy yeah. in a blind depends on the height yeah. i suppose but sure all right so jay you went deep on cameras I too i did go a little deeper than i normally do on cameras um, I'm starting to look for a lighter weight camera. I have a, a Markham camera now, um, you know, and it's kind of a square box camera with the, the lid that flips up. I think it's it's really similar to, 
oh, I forget the model number, but it's a, like the v, VC485 or the Mark Emission. It's really similar to that. So I'm looking at the Recon series or Pursuit series on the Markums. And then um, I looked at the Aquaview cameras as well. And so the, the Aquaviews were nice. A um, couple of things that I noticed that were different than the Markum. So the one one thing on the newer Aquaview that I didn't like as much is it had kind of a proprietary connection to the charger, um, which, you know, is one of those things like, why not do USB-C? You know, they've been around for a while now. They can't be expensive component-wise. So why are you going with a specialty cord that probably won't break, but if I lose it or it does break, now I'm... Now I'm, I'm I'm at a loss. So it's kind of like, man, I wish it I wish it didn't have that. It does have its benefits though, because it was a magnet thing. Yeah. So like, it, like it was easier and probably would break less because you know USB C you could like hit it and it would bend. It's a good point, right? The magnet would like just fall off. Now I'm not saying it can't be broken, but there were some benefits to it, even though it is. I agree with you; it was proprietary and. You know, he said buy two in case it one breaks. Because, but you know, you hate to be sitting there with a five hundred dollar camera and you can't buy the ninety nine cent cord to power it, so it's just a brick. Or you lost it, or forgot it, which is more likely or with me. It's on the ice. Somehow it get well, so it gets in a pocket separate from the camera. <laughs> right, that's what happens. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then there you are. So, so the other thing that was different between the Aquaview and the Markham is um, the Markham cameras. Some of them, the Pursuit HD, um, or the Recon, excuse me, the Recon. Let me look, make sure I'm getting my words right so I don't lead people astray here. The Pursuit HD um, camera has is directional, so you know which direction it's facing in the water. And the, the Aquaview didn't offer that. Now, the flip side is the Aquaview setup, the camera is much, much lighter. So the whole thing was much lighter um, than the Markham Pursuit. Um, they both offered like SD card type recording, which was pretty cool. The graphics were pretty similar. Um, and they, what I, I like the cord wine they now have on the back of these. They have like a little reel to reel, yep. um, reel it up. So I don't know which one I'm going to get, quite frankly. I'm, I'm saving my shields points <laughs> and... Uh, going to try to pick up a new camera this year so we'll see one thing that's really important to me and i'm still i guess working on ferreting out is which one has the best visibility outside is probably and i don't i didn't get really to the bottom of that answer yet so i'll keep you guys kind of tuned in if i find a distinctive answer although they may be both very very similar quite frankly and when you say visible outside you're saying the brightness of the screen the, uh, that you look at you know that's always a problem yeah. ice fishing is a bright i mean even on your phone sometimes like trying yeah. to see um to see stuff on a phone um my older camera it's almost impossible to see outside which so that means i end up fishing inside a lot more because I, I love to see the i like watching fish on the camera i like seeing the yeah. jig on the camera so um but so tell me about the directional thing like you use the camera. I don't even have one, but I know you use one more than I have. Like, when? Why is that important? Like, why so is it important for me? To know direction for me. I never put the camera down the same hole I'm fishing. Okay. So 
um, I like to set it up in between my two holes so I can watch one hole or I can turn it to the other hole and watch that hole. And gotcha. so then you're kind of looking. So if the water's kind of murky, you're looking for this like little tiny jig sometimes. Mm. And so to know which which way you're rotating that camera, okay, you know, east, west, south, and kind of have a sense of, you know, yeah. I need to spin it 180 degrees. So if I'm facing due north, I need to face it due south, you know, to find my jig. I think it's a time saver, quite frankly. Yeah. No, yeah. And so that's uh, why the direction I think is going to be pretty important to me in the end, just because I spent a lot of time like turning the camera, turning the camera, mm-hmm. turning the camera. My God, I I could should have seen it by now. Yeah. You know how far does it spin underneath? You know that whole deal. So that that's mm-hmm. that's why to me the direction is important. Okay. Um, and, Some people, and does the weight does the weight matter? Because like I would think if it's too light, like would there be current that would make it float away? Or hadn't thought of that. Out? You know, so fish in the river, maybe the lighter one would would be harder to maintain. The lighter camera, yeah, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of that. It's a good point. Every once in a while, you have a good point. It happens once every show <laughs> i really like you know it's it was really instructive for me last year watching some of the lure action on the camera you know how you were talking earlier about where you put the minnow and how the hook yep. faces like just watching like the different um the different stiffness of a rod mono versus braid you know just the yep. differences in action you know sometimes so that some you ever notice and it happens a lot where you got two guys sitting in a house, four feet apart, same lure, and one guy's catching fish and one guy's not. Happens all the time. And, all the time. And we, sometimes you think, well, I, the, the fish are just going through that hole. They're going over there. <laughs> and, you know, what we've learned through watching live scope is those fish see that lure way before you think they see that lure. Yeah. And so, you know, when a fish is approaching from 8, 10 feet, 12 feet away and sees two lures hanging down, it's not, you know, he's got a choice between which one he's going to go yes. to. Right. And, and you think you're doing the same thing, but when you watch it on camera, you realize that, you know, how you flip, how you load the rod, how the rod lets you load it, depend on the action. Is it a medium yep. action, a light yep. action, fast tip, not... What all the millions of things there is? Do you have a spring bobber bobber on the end that's making it different? You know, yep. all those things affect the action of that lure. And uh, if you don't have a camera on, you can't learn what you were doing at the time yeah. you caught that fish to repeat it. Yeah, you're right. It's just luck. Mm-hmm. So that's the journey I'm taking with cameras when I can see my stuff. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I would like to have one. I mean, I'm attract more attracted to the smaller ones. I, I used to be really turned off. I, maybe I'm still am a little bit, but just the, the clunky like, you have a cable down there, and I mean they've gotten so much lighter and so much easier to deal with. Like you're the one you have now is really big. Yeah, most of those ones fit in your pocket. That's what right? I'm I mean. It's so much different than when it fits in your pocket, and then when you got to, you know, I don't know. I, I think. They've come a long ways. I, yeah, and it provides some entertainment. Yeah. Um, so if I get one of these SD cards, then also we'll have some content for our, uh, oh, yeah, for our, our thing, or uh, what do you call it? 
What's that thing where, uh, where you put us on the internet? YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> that thing. That YouTube. thing you do. Yeah, that's right. You upload us and people listen. YouTube. Hopefully. 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 Occasionally. When they're All bored. Right. All right. So I think, Jade, it was a good show. We had a good time. It's always good we got together. I feel like we you're telling me other. goodbye. No. I, like I think it's time to on. move on. Oh, the ice fishing no. show was a great show. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like this show. I felt like you were signing no, off. No, like, the ice fishing show. We got more The ice stuff. fishing show was good. Oh, yeah, it was. No, the ice fishing show. It was, was a great ice fishing show. And we're going to, we talked to some folks. We're going to try to get them on the show with us um, yeah. as guests this season. So we we're hopefully have some good content coming to you um, that we was made possible by going to the St. Paul ice fishing show. We do want to give them a shout out for letting us um, have media passes again. So we can wander around without having to pay entry fee. Yeah. Talk to all the wonderful people. Yes. Wonderful people. And we got pizza at Cassettas. We did get pizza at Cassettas, <laughs> which is my favorite. It It's yeah, it's good pizza. It's a fun place. The place is chaotic. <laughs> and it's like, and yeah, it is. Jeff and parking ramps is a. <gasps> we don't even want to talk about that. That would don't blame me. That was like you could have just parked where I wanted you to park. The thirty minute zone, Heck and yeah, we had to shovel fine. our pizza in our face. It been, we were out of there anyway. It would have been fine. Not like they're going to tow you. That was the creepiest parking ramp I have ever. Two been floors on. with no lights, and it's a two way parking ramp. And we went through a spot where two pickup trucks were both parked. And I mean, I barely fit one car through that gap. It was, that was a bad ramp, man. A a four door long box with a cow catcher on the front of it. (laughs) I mean, that thing was like hanging out so far. I could barely get through it. Two cars were supposed to pass. This was the ramp by the holiday Inn down there in St. Paul. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I have an F-150 that's not that big, and there were giant trucks in there, and I'm like, man, this is tough. Jason and I have different parking strategies. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Always they have. Don't tow your car. They don't usually tow your car in Iowa. In St. Paul and Minneapolis, there might be different stories. I don't care. That, I mean, it so. wasn't my car, so if they towed it, it was whatever to me. <laughs> Take an Uber home. Uh, not to- yeah. Dodge your wife. <laughs> the, lo- the love. The love. <laughs> All right, so Jay, we're ready to move on to Legends? Yeah, I am. So we're doing something a little different. Jeff, you want to talk to people about that? Yeah, or do you want to talk to people about that? I certainly can. Uh, we're going to start with our legend. We're actually, we actually have our, our ice fishing legend sponsored, which we've never done that before. So it's kind of an exciting first for us. The legend's going to be sponsored by Dakota Sunset Resort on Devil's Lake. I, how do you pronounce this, Jeff? Miniwakan? Miniwakan. North Dakota. Um, the resort. Right next to Devil's Lake. Yeah, it's on Devil's <laughs> I mean, Lake there. So it sits yeah. on the West Bay Lake, or West Bay on Devil's Lake. Um, it's six hours from Minneapolis, under three hours from Fargo, and 10 hours from Madison. You can access the lake right from the resort, and you can drive on directly from your cabin. So it's pretty cool. Uh, if you've never fished Devil's Lake, it's it's a hoot. We've been out there a couple of times. That whole area is just geared towards towards fishing. It's it's oh, yeah. phenomenal. So um, we certainly there's good fish there. I mean, absolutely. We certainly recommend headquarters it. for Jason Mitchell. So yeah, I mean, yeah, not this resort, but Devil's Lake in general. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is, so yeah, um, and their website is Dakota Sunset Resort dot com. 
And uh, we'll put a link up for that for everybody to have that. And we're working hard on a date where Jason and I are going to head out there. We are. We're going to go check it out. We haven't coordinated a date quite yet, but it's going to happen. We're, we're going to work on it. <laughs> and so we'll shoot some pictures up and, and have a little bit. And we're trying, trying to get the owner of the resort on, too, just to to tell us all about it a little bit more. So yeah. it'll be fun. Um, and our legend, Jeff, this is a first. We finally had somebody do what I asked. Yeah, it recorded Absolutely, which is way better than us telling the story. I put a pre, pre here. So it's recorded, and it's from Basshole, who, who's also a, a patron also. And we talked about him, I think, last week even, mm-hmm. that he sent it in. So our legend comes from Basshole, who sent in a nice legend. It's a howling good time about ice fishing in the mountains. All right. Take a listen. Hey, guys. This is Chris, also known as Basshole. Um, I have a little legend for you. I figured I'd, I'd tell you. So, um, it was, uh, myself, my brother and one of our friends went out on an early ice fishing trip. Um, it was, um, early in the year and there's a lake kind of up in the mountains. So, uh, one of the first lakes to really have ice. So, uh, we know it's a good bass spot. We, we like fishing for bass and you can usually get a lot of one to one and a half pounders, keeps you pretty busy, but occasionally you can land that, uh, you know, three to four pounder, uh, if you, if you waited out long enough, but we got up there early, started drilling our holes, just had finished putting up our, our, uh, tip ups. And we see across the lake, they look like three dogs kind of slowly moving their way toward us. So we kept an eye on them a little bit. They were moving fairly slowly. We didn't know, you know, there's no houses up there cause this is up on a, on top of a mountain and there's no, uh, um, no houses in the area. So we weren't sure what exactly it was. And as they got a little closer, our buddy says, geez, he thinks they're probably coyotes. And as they got a little closer and closer, my brother looks at me and says, hey, did you did you bring your handgun? I said, no, I, I didn't take it with me this time. Um, just because we we're up, uh, you know, state land and all that, I didn't think I would need to have it. But he, um, as they got a little bit closer, we noticed, in fact, they were not coyotes. They were actually wolves. So here we are, three of us, three wolves approaching us, no weapon to protect ourselves. Uh, so what do three grown men do? Well, we start waving our hands and screaming like crazy and trying to scare them away. <laughs> It worked. They slowed down, kind of stopped, and then made their way back into the woods. And uh, we <laughs> we probably looked like a bunch of fools, but it, I guess it was better than getting attacked by three wolves. Now, in the state we live in, they say there aren't wolves, and they also say there aren't mountain lions. But um, I know there are because, one, we saw these wolves, and two, I've seen a mountain lion. So um, I guess they don't like to acknowledge it, but they're here. Anyway, I thought you might enjoy that. Um, be well, guys. Keep up the great work. All right. Well, I want to really, again, thank Basshole for sending in his legend about the wolves. And thanks for listening. And tight lines. That's your li- <laughs> Cheers, I guess. I don't know what just happened there. We'll try to do better next time. Have a good night. That was all messed up. All right. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say 
goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet, where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.